Hey Lifeline, if we have never met before, my name is Luke, hello. And we are in week three of a series called Heroes and Villains, which essentially in this series, we've been taking a closer look at some Bible heroes, some Bible villains to see that they are complex humans, just like you and I are. Anyways, I figured since we were talking about uh, heroes in this series, I would share with you one of my favorite things about just this conversation of heroes, and that's this. Every great hero has some sort of quote that either they say that's, that's memorable or uh, is just a part of their life and their story. And here are a couple examples. First, you have the amazing Disney Pixar hero, Buzz Lightyear, who famously said, I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> Snap out of it, Buzz. who famously said, to infinity and beyond. Yes, uh, then the second one that comes to mind is uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is Tony Stark when he reveals his identity as a superhero, you remember what he says? I am Iron Man. That moment kind of defines a big part of his story. And then there's another like real life superhero to many people, uh, the, the amazing basketball player from the 90s and early 2000s, Michael Jordan, uh, that la the Last Dance documentary recently came out. And throughout that whole documentary, he has this line that became a meme, which is, and I took that personally. And uh, people like have attached Michael Jordan's competitiveness and his ability to take his game to the next level with that quote, and I took that personally. Now, uh, today, I want to introduce you to a character and show you some of the quotes that made up a major part of his story. Now, the, the hero in the Bible, hundreds of years, thousands of years before the time of Jesus, his name is Elijah. And maybe you're asking, like, why is Elijah a hero? Well, let me tell you. Elijah was a prophet of God, meaning uh, God kind of used Elijah to be a megaphone to the nation of Israel. Like God wanted Israel to change their behaviors in this way or that way. He would tell Elijah, yeah, this like connection, this relationship with Elijah. And then Elijah would tell the kings of Israel or the people of Israel to change how they were acting. So he was like a representative of God. Big deal. Hero status. The, the second reason I think Elijah uh, was a hero is that he had to stand up to many kings, kings who were disobedient in leading God's chosen people, the Israelites. Uh, they had to face God, but they, they faced God through Elijah. Elijah would have to confront them again and again, and that took some serious courage. The third reason I think Elijah is a hero is because he is actually uh, mentioned as a example of faith from New Testament books written hundreds, thousands of years later, uh, like James and uh, New Testament writers like, like John. They saw him as a, a hero of the faith. Now, like I said, every great hero has some quotes that kind of define their moments. And I want to show you four of them to kind of give you a glimpse of the conversation we're going to have tonight and show you a little bit more about a, a really intense part of Elijah's life. So here are the four quotes. I'll make this quick. 
First quote was, uh, if, if God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Now, this isn't necessarily like an epic quote that would be on a t-shirt or something, but it does tell a big part of Elijah's story. See, Elijah was a prophet to the people of Israel, and they had divided allegiance between the God, the one and only true God, the God of Israel, the God that we follow, and Baal, this false God that uh, many people also worshipped during that time. And so Elijah finally, like, he is supposed to represent God to the nations. And he's like, you know what? If God is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Stop dividing your allegiance in who you worship. And so he kind of sets up this battle between the God of Israel and Baal. He says this, we're going to go to Mount Carmel, which was uh, the, the, the main place where the worshipers of Baal worshiped Baal and there uh, the Baal is going to set up they're going to set up an altar a sacrifice for Baal I will set up an altar a sacrifice for the God of Israel and the rules of the the game or the challenge were whichever God sends fire down from heaven to burn the altar burn the sacrifice is the God that is worthy of worship so in this moment he's telling all the people if if it's God follow him if it's Baal then follow him and we will see who it is. That's the first quote. Second quote that Elijah says in, in this story is, maybe he's sleeping. Now, this was kind of a taunt or a jab at the prophets of Baal because uh, 450 prophets of Baal uh, during this contest were dancing and shouting and being all crazy, trying to get Baal's attention to send fire down from heaven and burn this offering. They were screaming, they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And after hours of them doing this, Elijah actually starts taunting them. He's like, you know what? Maybe Baal is busy. Maybe Baal is sleeping. He is like uh, taking jab after jab at these hundreds of prophets that uh, apparently whatever they're doing isn't working because Baal wasn't sending fire down on their altar. So that's the second quote. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe your God is sleeping. Well, after that, here comes the third quote, which is, oh Lord, answer me. This was Elijah's prayer when it was his turn to pray to God to burn his offering. And the amazing thing is that 450 prophets of Baal just did all this hollering and hooting and jumping up and down and dancing and screaming and nothing happened. And Elijah, one person, has this simple prayer the simple prayer of, oh Lord, answer me. Uh, show them that you are the one and only true God. And you know what happens? God does answer him. God sends fire down from heaven, burning the sacrifice, the, the altar. Uh, actually, before that, Elijah had people put water all over the sacrifice just to show how powerful God is. And it's like in this moment, Elijah with this simple prayer calls fire down from heaven and God listens to him and totally shows up in a big way. It's amazing. Now for the fourth quote I want to show you. And it's this. I have had enough. Take my life. Yes, this is Elijah, the one who just called fire down from heaven and saw God work in incredible ways. Just the next scene of his life saying, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life life. 
This is surprising to me because he just had this literal mountaintop experience of seeing God work in incredible ways, of being a part of the incredible work of God, of showing off to these uh, prophets of Baal in a powerful way, of, of destroying them and, and ending kind of their, uh, their reign in this area for a little bit. And immediately he goes into this depression, this hopelessness. Oh Lord, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. So an obvious question that I think of is like, what happened? How do you go from having this mountaintop experience to wanting God to take your life in a matter of moments? And more importantly, what does God do when one of his prophets, one of his people that he has this close relationship with, want to give up? I think this is an important conversation for us to have today because maybe you have felt like Elijah felt. Like you've had some high highs and you've had experiences where you saw God working in amazing ways and you felt like things were going really well for you. And maybe you've had times that aren't like that, where you have literally thought like, I just want to give up. Whatever it is I'm working on, whatever it is I'm trying to do, whatever progress I feel like I'm trying to make, I just want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. See, in looking at Elijah's story of uh, how he got to this place where he wants to give up and, uh, and what God does in response to this, you and I are going to learn what we can do and who God is when we want to give up ourselves. So let me give you a quick recap from some of those quotes of Elijah's story. So Elijah just called down fire from heaven and witnessed God do this incredible thing of engulfing the sacrifice, the altar, uh, everything that was on the altar, including water, right before his very eyes. Well, then Elijah uh, dealt with the prophets of Baal, these intense worshipers of this false god. There are 450 of them. Now, a little background here is that these prophets of Baal uh, killed other prophets of God that God had sent to Israel. They also would sacrifice children to this false god, Baal. And after this scene happens with the fire and the sacrifice and stuff, Elijah ends up seizing and, and killing these prophets. Now, there is a lot to this story to unpack. And I definitely don't want us to walk away like with a note of like, okay, if someone's really bad and is against God, I should kill them. Like, that's not it at all. There is a lot more going on in the story, and that's not really the point of this story. But uh, it does happen. Elijah does do that. So after this, Elijah is like, okay, God uh, conquered Baal. He showed up. Baal didn't. I'm feeling great. And then the king of Israel, who happened to be a Baal worshiper, goes home to his wife, the queen. And they have this conversation about what they're going to do with this. And I got to think, like, okay, if the king heard about what happened, like, yes, uh, Baal didn't show up. The God of Israel literally engulfed this whole uh, sacrifice. Like, you got to think they're changing their minds, right, about who they're following. Wrong. Let me tell you what King Ahab, the king of Israel, and Queen Jezebel do in reaction to what Elijah did. This is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. It's a story of uh, a lot of the early leaders of Israel, the kings of Israel. And uh, in this story, we see how Ahab and Jezebel respond. 
First Kings 19, starting in verse one. When Ahab, the king who worshiped Baal, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. It's like the queen sends a messenger to go tell Elijah how she feels about this situation. And this is what it says. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you have killed them. So Ahab and Jezebel do not change their tune. They don't say like, oh, wow, God is, is powerful and it turns out we are wrong to follow. But no, Jezebel said, this is a promise. May the gods kill me if I don't, by this time tomorrow, kill you. And so what does Elijah do? He, he doesn't stand up and say, well, too bad. My God just burned this off. Like he, he runs. He runs away. It's like he's so tired of this, this battle between him and Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of Baal that he runs. And it's not just that he runs home. It's that he literally runs 100 miles. It's like he's getting away from the situation, away from the drama, away from the threats. And it's in this moment that Elijah wants to give up. And a few verses later, we read this. In verse 4, then he, Elijah, went, alone, went on alone in the, into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. This is what he says. Here's that quote. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. See, in this moment, Elijah wants to give up. He's tired. He's exhausted of this fighting. He's exhausted and scared from these threats. And it's like he lays down and he is thrown in the towel. But why? I mean, he just saw God work in a powerful way. There are two reasons that I think Elijah wanted to give up. And the first one is just that nothing had changed. See, after this amazing mountaintop experience, Jezebel and Ahab were still worshiping Baal. The temples that were dedicated to Baal uh, were still there and people would still go and worship Baal. And it's like, after seeing this amazing thing happen, you would think that things would start changing in Elijah's favor, but they didn't. And I don't know about you, but maybe this is your experience in, in your life. Like you keep thinking things might change and things might get better and they are just not. Like something uh, that seems simple, like school. Maybe you work hard and you feel like you're working harder than you ever have before. And because of that, things might change, but you still get C's or D's or, or F's. And it's like, I'm exhausted from this and I just want to give up. Or maybe it's in your family relationships. It's like, okay, I know I should be nicer to my parents. I know I should be kind and I'm trying. I am trying, but nothing seems to be changing. We still fight. We still argue. I can't continue with this. I want to give up. Maybe this is where you find yourself and this is where Elijah found himself. Nothing had changed. The second reason I think Elijah wanted to give up was because he was alone. As I said before, many of the prophets of God had been killed. 
And it's like he was left alone to fight this battle, not just against all these prophets, but against the king and the queen themselves. He was trying to do the work that God had for him to do, but when he looked to his left and to his right, he felt totally alone. And again, maybe this describes why you want to give up. You uh, try to be nice to people and you try to be funny and you try to think of uh, things to say that make people laugh and you just feel like you haven't found a friend. People still make fun of you or people still just don't really want to be around you and you feel alone and you want to give up. Or maybe you feel alone when it comes to following God. It's like you want to follow God. You want to do the things that God has called you to do. But when you look to your left and to your right, you're the only one that seems to even care about God and you feel all alone and you want to give up. This is where Elijah was. He says, God, I've had enough. I'm alone. Nothing's changed. Take my life. I want to give up. So the question then becomes, like, what does God do when the prophet, the one who is supposed to have the special relationship with him, the one who's supposed to represent him to Israel, says he wants to give up? Like, if I was God, I would start giving a lecture. I'd be like, what? No, you're my prophet. You have to go back out there, get in the game. I'm going to be with you. You'll be fine. But God doesn't do this. In fact, what God does is very surprising. So check this out. This is a few verses later, uh, uh, in middle of verse five. As Elijah was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Elijah looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, when Elijah wants to give up, God does not give him a lecture. God does not say, what, you idiot? You're, you're a prophet of mine. You can't give up. What are you doing? Like, he nourishes him. He lets him take a nap. He makes him lunch. And this shows us what the heart of God is like. That God meets Elijah in the space that he's in when he has had enough, when he wants to give up. God is there with him. God listens and he says, I know this journey is hard. I know this journey is challenging. I know it seems like nothing has changed, but I am with you. I'm with you to comfort you. I'm with you to nurse you. I'm with you to give you rest. And I'm with you to help you on your journey. And then later on in the story, at the end of chapter 19, Elijah would be led to someone with a very similar name as him, Elisha. And Elisha would actually be chosen to be Elijah's assistant. So God said, yes, it seems like nothing has changed and you can talk to me about those things and you can open up your heart to me and you can tell me that you want to give up and I'm going to be there to comfort you. I'm not going to shame you for opening your heart to me. I'm going to listen and I'm going to comfort you. And yes, you can talk to me about being totally alone and not having anyone with you. And I'm going to give you someone in Elisha to walk with you in the, in the mission that I have called you to. So I love this story because it shows me that Elijah, who is this hero, is a real person who wanted to give up, who felt like he was at the end of his rope. And I can relate to that. 
But why I love this story even more is because it shows me who God is. It shows me that when I feel like giving up, God shows up. God shows up and desires to hear me in all of my complaining and all of my crying and all of my wondering what's going to happen. God shows up by providing people in my life to walk alongside of me in the journey that I'm on. And God desires to show up for you. Maybe in this season of your life, you feel like giving up. You feel like giving up on school. You feel like giving up on relationships. You feel like giving up on people. You feel like giving up on God. And can I just tell you something? That's okay. See, when you feel like giving up, God is going to show up. God is not going to lecture you. He is not going to shame you for having these feelings, but he is going to be ready to listen. He is going to be ready to lean in and provide you comfort from one of many ways that he can do this because he cares for you. He wants to hear you and he wants a relationship with you. And so my advice for you, if you're in a season where you feel like giving up, is to open up to God, just like Elijah did. Allow yourself to turn to God and speak freely about what you're experiencing. And then as you open up to God and as you share the hard things that are going on in your life, look for the ways that he wants to comfort you. Look for the ways that he wants to show his presence to you because he is a God who cares. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this story. We thank you for just how good you are that uh, even when we feel like giving up, you listen. That uh, you care for us beyond our perfection. You care for us beyond us uh, being in a great mood all the time. That you care for us more deeply than we can imagine. And so God, I just ask right now that if anyone in this space that's listening to this or watching this right now, feels like giving up right now, that they would have the courage and the boldness and the faith to turn to you. That instead of running from you, they would talk to you. They would be open with you and they would look for the ways that you want to comfort them. God, help us to do this. Help us to turn to you when we want to give up and see the ways you're working in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.